It's Chatham in New York City. Stone Gossard, guitarist extraordinaire from Pearl Jam. They're in town, they're playing tonight. It's gonna be great, I'm excited to go see him. But first, we have to talk to him about all sorts of good things. You and I go like way, yep. way back. Stone and I go back 1991. One. 1991. Um, I don't know if I've ever You told changed you. our lives. The Chili no. Peppers changed our lives. For the worse. No, I've, I mean, <laughs> well, well, I'd never, I'd never experienced anything <laughs> like that before. Seriously. I mean, and, what and, does that mean? Well, what does that mean? Seeing a band with that much sort of weight in their with beat <laughs> changed the way that I perceive, like... With that much gusto? It's between you guys and Jane's Addiction. Those kind of, seeing those kinds of shows were like, okay, this is, I, we gotta go back to the drawing board. <laughs> what are we doing here again? No, I saw Jane's, the first time I saw Jane's Addiction, we played with them in LA, and I'd never seen them, now, and it was scary, they like scared Yeah. Me. Perry. Yeah. And the tribal yeah. Stephen and Navarro, the whole, and, and the whole thing, I was just, it was like, Ugh. yeah. and I was like, and we play our little funk song, you know, and I was like, this is like, yeah. this is serious. So James, the well, other, that's the way the I felt LA about band, you guys. Yeah. And plus being able to be on the side of the stage and watch like you and Flea get into it. And oh. I mean, it was, that really like affected me dramatically. And you guys were so good to us too. We loved you. But, well, but, but, we've been so, I mean, you know. I know. Through but, the years of being in smaller bands, you can just get really beaten up. Over the, <laughs> <laughs> you get really we just, only gave you this much stage, no sound check, and two lights. But We had uh, all the sound. We had more sound than we needed at that point. So, <laughs> Well, he's talking about a tour we did in 1991 with Pearl Jam, Smashing Pumpkin, Chili Peppers, in the fall of 91. For two months, we traveled around the United States. And I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but... But the way that, that you guys ended up being on a tour, we had pumpkins were on. Were on. Right. Yeah, it's great. And, and we were like, Do we another band, a third band? Yeah, I don't know. And, and we were rehearsing where we rehearsed all the time in this place called, uh, what's it called? Where we rehearse all the time. The Alley. And we were getting ready to leave. And I think Flea had a had a tape. It wasn't even a CD. It was probably a tape. Because this is this band that Jack Irons, Jackie Irons, right. is friends with the singer, yeah. and they just have a record come out. And, you know, he wanted us to listen to see if you guys would take him out. And I remember we were standing around the parking lot, kind of leaning in the car, and puts it in the car. We listened to, like, 30 seconds of the first song. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, yeah great. That, was, that yeah. was That was it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And we're like... Yeah, nice, nice guys. Jack yeah. likes them. Cool. Sounds good. Yep. So that's how Pearl Jam got on uh, the first uh, tour, and we met. And then, you know, and we, we just, we loved you guys. And, and, and it was so great to see it go from, you know, the kind of, the, was that your first, like, tour tour that you did? Yeah, that was, I mean, we went from selling no records on that tour to selling a bunch of records, yeah. you know, by yeah. the end of it. And I saw it, it just like, it just you know, and I would watch you. Guys. And you guys did too. Yeah, it was that time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Blood Sugar Sex Magic and their record, and it just you just saw, it. and that was the last time, probably both of us played small theaters or yeah. or, or whatever, you know, and, and it just kind of blew up in the time of everything. But um, and you always used to let me watch you play drums from behind the stage, so <laughs> you know, it let you. Well, I mean, <laughs> somehow. Don't. No. Kim. Kim. One, one of your texts would let me. Probably Robbie, Robbie Allen. Probably Robbie yeah. Allen. Yeah. But that was uh, that was an important, most super, super life changing was, was really moment for us, for sure. It was, and then. So thanks again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you owe me everything. Oh yeah. No, but and then to see it go from that to. Fast forward six months later to the summertime, and we were on the Lollapalooza yeah. together. And by that time, it was like, yeah, you know. And that was another interesting, fun tour. Yeah, that was a good one too. I enjoyed that. We had a lot of, a lot of fun. Soundgarden, Ministry, Al. Yeah. Spiking everybody's drinks. <laughs> I never saw it, but I just heard about it. He Very. Yeah. 
say, Chad, I'm not doing the hard stuff anymore, but he's standing with like a soup bowl of Bushmills. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> Bo- the bones and the... Robbie really hung out with him a lot on that tour. They got, he was like Al Jr. He would like come out on stage with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the beginning of our, of our, of our friendship. And... Um, the other thing that I, I, I remember too was shortly after that tour, I think it was later in the fall, we were going to do, we were going to have. Yeah. We were, yeah, our, our band. What was yeah. it going to be called? Craze, we have Craze Jewelers? No. Oh, oh, no. It was. Uh, um, uh, I don't remember. The cease and Desist. Cease and Desist. <laughs> it wasn't this. No, oh. <laughs> it was legal it jargon. Was, it was, yeah, it was legal jargon, and but it was more like jazz odyssey. It was going to be. It was just improvisation. Yeah. Like we'd done a couple things where we just smoke weed and you know play. Yeah, Go, what key? And sometimes it was fantastic. <laughs> and other times it was. <laughs> what the hell is this? I still remember one of those nights. At well, we the, had one. We did one, one show. Show. Yeah. At the where was that again? Rock Candy. Rock Candy. Infamous Rock Candy. And then, but we played you and me and Lonnie did a night one night at um, uh, what's the L.A. club that Johnny Depp used to own? Oh, or oh, whatever. oh, oh, uh, Viper Room. Viper Room. That I still remember did we? this day. We we played like a couple songs. We came out as you, me, Navarro, and and. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and Lonnie Marshall, really? Yeah, and everybody showed up, and I I, I still I remember I, to this day I that I was that the opening four minutes of that jam with you playing with Lonnie Marshall, I'd never felt a rhythm section with so much like Lonnie. weight. I was like, wow, Lonnie. that was like, because just the way you guys play together, and he pushing on you, and you pushing on him, and I was like, it was like the widest. Grew I'd ever he heard can, in my life. He I was can, like, wow. He can play. Was, he can play. I don't remember. I don't think we couldn't sustain it for more than. <laughs> no, it was unsustainable. <laughs> it was just. We were <laughs> awesome! And then. And then where can yeah. you go? <laughs> Did anyone sing? I don't even remember. But so we had this thing. We were going to play. We were going to. Did the curtain closed on stage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we all smoked much pot, and then <laughs> the curtain opened and. Go! It's pretty good. Um, Moments, yeah. But then I remember being being in in. I came up, we hung out, and then Robbie was there, and we came. We went over to your house. We jammed. We were gonna do sort of another. Was it a different club? If you remember. Yeah. We were gonna do. What were we gonna do? Um, was it Bad Company? Was it was it like covers? No, it was Van Halen. Oh, Van Halen. And we ended up doing like that guy came and sang, yeah. right? And we did like a whole night of yeah. Van Halen. I remember Mike showing up like doing a eruption, yeah. like no for no. I didn't know any of it, <laughs> so that was. <laughs> right. I'm luckily there's no footage of that because if we cut to that at this point, you'd be like, wow, he was, he was one not, guy's really he was sucking. Not plugged in. <laughs> but somehow it turned into Van Halen cover night. Yeah. Yeah. Which was still fun. Yeah. Improv but, jazz, Van Halen. Bad right, company. Right. But we were going to actually take our little jazz odyssey, cease and desist, yeah. out on the road. Yeah. And I broke my wrist. Yeah. And that screwed everything up. So saved some, us. Some, <laughs> some might say it saved us. <laughs> saved anybody who's going to come out going, what is this? It was an assa- that was an assassin band, though, too. That was uh, uh, Brad Hauser from... Uh, who played with Edie Brickell in the New Bohemians, who, who was a Seattle it? guy, great who, bass player. Who, who, and who was it uh, from? Avon Kane, who's crazy famous art uh, musician now. He's like great uh, violinist. Like He was another guy that was, mm. Skerrick was the mm. uh, saxophone player. Right. So a bunch of guys that are kind of semi-heavyweights now. We sh- no. I was in over my head. <laughs> now, now we can't afford them. Yeah, that's the problem. Back then, but it would have been fun. We were literally gonna like get in the van and go. Yeah, with no songs. With no songs yeah. and go up and just play like yeah. clubs, you know, because we're fearless like that. Mm. Mm. People are gonna be like, 
Like, you know, even the dogs, they kind of they do the dog, dog, dog thing. What? What? What is this? But the one night we did it, the yeah. I thought we pulled it off. And it was like, okay, I think we might be able to do this. And we opened up for, uh, who's the guitar player for um, Guns oh, N' Roses? G Gilby Clark. Yeah. <laughs> we opened up for Gilby yeah. Clark. That's a bill right there. Yeah. Um, so you knew Dad. A month? How old? Uh, eight weeks. Mar or going Mar on eight weeks right now. It's almost two months. Marlo. Yep. Marlo. How about that? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. She's sleeping through the night. Good girl. Thank God for Gaining drugs. weight. Shitting. Shitting, All the eating, things. Yep. Pooping. All those things. All the important things. That's a good life. Yep. Everything's, everything's okay. And she's back, she's, she's back at home right now. Yeah. Yeah. She's not really road, road ready yet. So it's a, it would have been really nice to have him out, but... Uh, it's eight eight weeks. It's sort of and kind of flu season and jumping yeah. on a plane for six hours and yeah. it's gonna happen soon enough. Yeah, because you guys are very kid friendly. When I was in Holland, there's like kids everywhere. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to the show tonight? I am coming. Oh, great, great. I'm figuring out which which guitar change I'm gonna do. <laughs> great. Well, I'm coming. I'm I gonna heckle. We, I think we're ready I'm to have heckle it. and I'm gonna stand next to Matt like this. No. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I think we're ready to have a good show. We've been kind of, we're like four shows in. All right, you're getting into the... And we had like four rehearsals before we left. You guys like... So good. each of us have individually had good shows. Right. Since the tour to started. together? <laughs> we're ready. So for all you people... That was awesome. Oh, I fucking clammed the crap out of that. I was great. Right, my side of the stage. <laughs> Naria. I got mine. Oh, it was terrible. What do you mean? It was great. Yeah, lots of that. Always that. You know, that's the beautiful thing about the old live performance. You know what? You get to do it again the next night. Yep. Um, well, well that, yeah, that, I, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. You guys have, uh, you know, bit of live band. More, you know. How do you, how do you, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Now we, let's talk about okay, just for a second, and then we, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about, you know, certain things. But we, another thing we have a connection on is is Brendan. Yeah. And and you've worked with him on all your records. No. No. A bunch though. Okay. We did. We had a couple of vacations <laughs> from each other. <laughs> really? Oh, that's probably good. Yeah. No, it's, it's you learn a lot by not working with somebody. With the same too, guy. So. Yeah. But uh, the last couple and the first, well, not the very first one, but right. the, uh, the, you know, the versus, middle, middle three, yeah. you know, the middle three, four. Um, most of our sort of well-known records. How, because I know Brendan because he, he engineered, I think it was the last engineering gig that yeah. he had, actually. It was working on Blood Sugar, and then he went off to do you guys. I think you, I think your yeah. record was like the next record. And... He's going on to, you know, do great things and shan't touch the knobs anymore. Yeah. But yet he, he really, he's one of those guys that knows how to touch the knobs oh, and he, play the He's an amazing, and he can do it song. all. Yeah. He can do, he's a, he's, Which, he can do. That's why he was frustrated being a second. He wanted to, <laughs> he's naturally gravitated towards being number one. <laughs> Which I love about him. He's, he really is a, he really knows how to uh, run a session. He knows. And uh, he works quickly and yeah. he always has a, a good attitude. He always got a good idea, and um, and 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 he made that Black Crow's record, that Southern um, yeah. Harmony or whatever that one yeah. is, which is one of the great. I mean, and that's the one we heard. And tracks. I remember Rick Rubin going, yeah. "Well, I'm going to use. We're going to use my guy to engineer." Yeah. And we're like, "Well, who is it?" And he's like, yeah. "Oh, he's this band." And then he put that on. And I was like, "Good drum sounds. Good sounds. Yeah. I think that's the best drum sound. That's I, 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 my favorite." I was on the blood sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's big and punchy, and yeah. it's great. Um, but he's such a talent, and he played, you know, just such a musical guy, yeah. you know. But, um, uh, you know, how has it changed? Like, you relate, this is like 20, almost 20 year relationship. Yeah. And, and, and from, you know, other than like, other than personally or whatever, but like, 
the experience that you've had making records and being in a band and doing everything, being a musician, living your life, and for him and all the stuff that he, how do you, how, how do you see it different? If you can think back to the Brendan of up at the site when you did that, the record up there. Um, I think from the band's perspective, everyone's gotten a little bit We've gotten better over the years. I mean, 20 years applying, you eventually start to <laughs> hopefully. figure out some stuff. I think we've gotten. Hopefully. I think we get are more comfortable with the process. I think, right. in particular, Ed is in terms of just like kind of knowing what he's capable of and kind of knowing that he's going to kind of get through it. Where maybe some of the early records, it was like, "Am I going to be able to pull this off?" Or you know, sort of maybe some of those. You know, I think everyone is is comfortable with the process of starting with nothing and coming up with a record and yeah, like no, that's freaking out. yeah um yeah. i think brendan i mean i think when we first started making with brendan records with brendan he was uh i feel like he was much more like ready had, i think he had lower expectations in terms of what he was gonna how how much he was gonna insert himself into the process other than taking money gambling other than taking all your money and gambling <laughs> in between takes um, that's good enough. Okay, let's get back to the game. Follow the queen. <laughs> he likes to gamble a little bit. A little bit. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But I would, I would just say that, you know, when we made uh, verses or Vitology or whatever, we would go in with basically no songs and we'd start working a song up. You know, maybe somebody would have a riff or an arrangement, but we weren't having, any, we weren't doing any demoing process that Ed was involved in. Maybe people might have brought in a demo or something that right. sounded like a demo, but until we started playing it as a band and then deconstructed it. So we were basically building songs from the floor up and we would do cut takes of those, we'd demo something up and that take would end up being the track on the wow. record. It was just like, well, that's the one we got. And I'm not sure whether that was because he didn't feel like he could push us to do another take or we were so resistant to that or whether he felt like it would be going backwards to try to, you know, but we're much more like a, a bigger process beforehand than more pre-production. Yeah, more more pre-production and more. He really wants to cut it with you after you know the song. I mean, it's it's much more like that, and he's just much more involved in the the minutia of the arrangement and um, and sonically really has a very strong perception of where he wants to go with something before he starts. So. That's a really great thing, and in a lot of cases, that that really benefits the record. There's certain things about "Shoot from the Hip" that worked cool. out because yeah. we've had That's huge exciting. hits that yeah. were like exciting. that were never we never thought about more than ten minutes. Right. So we have both of those sort of things to be able to choose from now, and and that's. Both of those things are important, you know, working yeah. something over and really making it, honing it, and getting it right, and then the idea that. You know, if you have five guys and everyone's musically, you know, excited, excited that you can go in and make a record in, you know, four or five days right. if everybody is on the same page and like ready to kind of like make that happen. Yeah. So I think that we're always going to be playing around with that polarity of like how much time are we going to spend on it? How much control do we want in terms of like deciding, well, it's good enough or or I like the way that. Yeah. You know, the drum beat skips a beat every and, fourth and time. And you probably might have five different opinions on yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Or six, including and that's And that's another thing that Brendan is so helpful about, is just like, he's such a strong, he has such a strong gravitational force that he lets, he, he drives it, and then if it's wrong, then the band can kind of fight him and we can get our way. You know, if we all are in agreement yeah, that yeah. it's wrong, then, then it'll, go, it'll okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that still happens all the time. And there'll be songs that he's like, I'm not into it, and, and you know, we'll keep going, well, we're actually going to do it, and then we'll do it. And by the end of it, it's, it ends up, you know, to his admission, an important song on the record. So if you're working with somebody that can kind of say, oh, that worked out great. Right. You know, I was, you know, right. he's not saying I was wrong. Right. The e the <laughs> but he's e like in the game e with us. He's yeah. like, he's part of the, he's part of it, the process. He's yeah. not like so above it that he can't, you know. Yeah. Um, so he's a good, he's really a good person and really yeah. talented. And I hope that we make more records with him. And yeah. I hope they're different. Kind of, I hope we push him to make different kinds of records than we've made yet, you know. I think everybody at this point wants to do something a little bit more, um, I don't know if it's loose-ended, but just a little bit more of the band um, 
working things over more as a band first and then you know getting to the point where we're uh, where we're comfortable with the arrangement and then right. go from there if there's right. something that's really not working after that you know that's that's a fun thing to do too so you know i think people you know they ask me like well you know you work with rick rubin for all these years and you ever want to work with somebody else yeah. and, you know we, we always actually bring it up while we're writing our songs yeah. like you know maybe we should you know try somebody else and dance with somebody else and then we get to a certain point <clears throat> where we're like you know what Rick is going to make our song better. Yeah. And that's kind of, yep. that's kind of the, for me, from a producer, that's really kind of what you want. Yeah. And I'm sure Brendan does the yep. same thing. And, and, and also, Rick's not emotionally attached to the song yep. like we are. Oh, this yep. is like, wait till you hear yeah. this. This is going to be the yeah. great, we'll play it. And be like, eh, what else you got? Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. this is the greatest thing we've ever done. <laughs> eh, I heard that like 10 years ago. What else you got? And then we'll play some, jam yep. that we did on Tuesday, yeah. that's great! Yeah. What is that? Yeah. And so that objective, sort of detached, but yeah. in a good way, object, objectivity is really important, and and he knows it so well, and I'm sure the same thing with Brendan, yeah. and those are advantages of working with someone, and you trust, and, and, and their musicality, and, and where they come from, and, and um, you know, those, I think, they're huge advantages then, than going and trying a, a different guy every time, or, or, yeah. or um, you know, uh, I just and there's a somewhat of a consistency, and as long as it's a good quality consistency yeah. and not a sameness or something that doesn't grow and change, um, I think it's an important thing to be to work with somebody else. But we would we could never do records by ourselves. It would be it, it would come out. It wouldn't. It, I, I don't. I don't think that. I think it would be. We need that other person yeah and like you say not always will will that person the idea is great and he'll think eh, and we'll say no 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 yeah. you, you got to see this through yep. we're going to do this and finally you know and it forces you guys to take a to stand to really focus yeah. yeah and go no and take a stand right but there's no like well no i don't I, when did you start doing brad brad's been going for a long time uh, 20 me. years 20 years yeah more, more than 20 years wow so 1993 or 92, after, I think after the road, after the Lollapalooza, is that 93? Yeah, 92. 92, so right after Lollapalooza, basically, where we were done with that 10-album cycle, right. got home, and, you know, Regan Hagar, who's the drummer, and Sean, who I'd known already previously for, well, Regan for 10 years, because he was in Malfunction, and he was in... Um, who was in a band with Andy Wood, who was Mother Love Bone, and sort of this old connection. And it was just more of the same of feeling like uh, ready to make a record. Let's book a studio for 10 days and just let's make a record, yeah. you know, because these yeah. are guys that I'd loved and I'd always wanted to play music with, or, yeah. and I always felt like a connection to them yeah. and was just uh, another. You know, I was feeling my oats at that point. So I was like, okay, well, let's, you know. I could do this, let's yeah. go. I've already figured it out. You know, in. it's like you just go hard. You just fucking make a did, record. You know, did put not, it did out. You, did you have songs? Did they have songs? Did you collaborate? We just we went in the studio and basically, you know, the 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 story is that we went we we hired a bass player from another friend of mine who had never heard play bass before and just said we're gonna fly this guy up. We don't know what he, we heard he's a good bass player, but we don't know anything about him. And we're gonna write songs for five days and then go in the studio for five days and wow. make a record. Wow. Which is, you know, balls. Yeah, it's just it. like, but it's like at the time, you know, I had a little bit of money, so it was like, you know, the studio is gonna new be new money. Yeah, it's gonna be a couple grand for the studio, and like, you know, go have fun with my friends, yeah, make no, some was, music. Yeah, and, and, and if no it doesn't pressure. work out, yeah, yeah, who cares? Yeah. So, and you know, that that process was really, you know, it's an exciting process to that jumping off the cliff of like, what what is it gonna be? You know, it's it's a. It's more of a young man's game to do that, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> at the time, it was it was great. So, yeah. and you know, once you start something, I just you know, I'm like a badger. I'm just fucking just stay with it. Just honey badger, stubborn, stubborn. real stubborn. stubborn. <laughs> so you know, and and we've you know we've made I don't know four four or five records over there. Yeah. Great. So, same is it? And same same. It's uh, the bass player uh, Jeremy Toback eventually wanted to kind of do more of his own stuff and and uh wasn't really super focused on brad and so we ended up playing with a few different 
guy since then, but we've got a bass player, a permanent bass player now, right. named Keith Lowe, who I think you played with before. He played bass on that. Remember when you came up to Seattle, like the last time he came up in Seattle, and, and we, we did, did that track and that guy for the Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Turtles. So the bass player. Oh, he for played that. on that. Yeah, That's yeah. your guy. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, Keith Lowe is professional, solid. Solid. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, um, I think it was rigged though with the whole turtle. You, that, was, that wasn't fair. Come on. We can't go into that. <clears throat> no, we can't. But um, and and tell me about tell me about the Moonlander. What's going on with that? Um, you know, I write a bunch of songs. Are you singing? I'm singing on it. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, after a while, you just you know, you if you write a bunch of songs, eventually you got to put them out. Have so a, have a and when you're in a band, then you have you know you have your own label, and then you're like, well, what are we gonna put on our label? And then you think, well, <laughs> I've got some songs. <laughs> No one else is going to sign me. I'll sign me. And I think that's true. I'm going to go straight to the top. <laughs> Finally, people are going to understand the talent. But I've known yeah. all these years. Fuck those guys. <laughs> that's what I... Fuck me. I don't need those guys. Fuck me. <laughs> then the record comes out. You're like, oh, well, that's just a little side thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's fine. It's good to. It's good to. I. I love writing music. I yeah. love. It's still to this day. I have a guitar with me in my hotel. I've. You know. I go in there every time. I. You know. Come in love from it. dinner or wake up in the morning and have too much coffee. It's like pick it up and just try to. You know. Record a little riff or something. And I just. I keep. A lot of. You know. I keep a lot of riffs. Then I kind of. I can remember how to play them. That's the kind of key. Is like. Do you have a little? You gotta have a little something. iPhone. Yeah. Just a. You know. Playing to that, playing to your phone. Yeah, and then you know, when I get back from, when I get back from tour or wherever, at at some point during the year, I'll go in and spend two or three days and just, and just get them on to the next, you okay. know, either with a drum machine or play with somebody or just kind of get them down to the point where I can remember them right. even more playing from somebody. So, right. and now, how does that, how does that go from like? This could be a Pearl Jam song. This could be my song. This could be a Brad song. You know, does it, or are they all just in the whole Stones? I mean, I, I think ideally that, everything that could be a Pearl Jam song, I would prefer it to be a Pearl Jam song. I mean, you know, if, if Ed wanted to sing on anything in general, I'm 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 open to that right. and excited about that. But at some point, you know, I record, you know, forty or fifty ideas. Over the course of a year, and it's like, you know, I'm going to probably write a couple of songs or two or three songs on the Pearl Jam record. Everyone writes in the band, so yeah. you just kind of kind of figure it out. Green River, which was the very first band I was in, yeah, yeah. real band, that yeah. we opened for Jane's Addiction, and I want to say it was at, like, and this is 80... Oh, Madam... Not, no, Madam, not, uh, 86. Down in L.A.? Yeah. At, the, was, at the club, I know. And, it was, and, and Jane's oh. Addiction was on this compilation record. There was a bunch of L.A. bands, and it was kind of art, some kind of arty bands, and it was like... What's the giant? I know it's it like it was a big I, night every night every Thursday. Yeah, it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. It's, it's escaping me. Changed night. Well, I think we Green River broke up right after that because it was just like, what's the point? Yeah, he's like quit. <laughs> I mean, those guys, man. Yeah, it, it was. There, it was really special. Very, very powerful music. Um, we needed new Jane's addiction. The Jane's. Where are they? Jane, we just played. Well, they played this. They played the night before us in uh, in uh, in uh, where were we? Somewhere in the south, Atlanta, the festival. I yeah. didn't see them. They were, the, they were the night before us. But um, who's playing bass? I think Chris Cheney, who's been kind of their guy on and off. Yeah. Um, I, I think so. I believe. I mean, they've had a bunch of different guys, but. Yeah. Um, did you know? Did you, speaking of, did, did you know Duff up in Seattle back in the day? Uh, I knew. I knew. certainly saw him out at clubs and knew who he right. was and like. But we didn't have a. We didn't, we, have, we didn't a, have a relationship. Right. I saw all his bands play. Yeah. I used to go. He was in a band called Ten Minute Warning that I was just hugely into. And was he? Did he play bass? Guitar. He played, he played bass. Played bass. Uh, Maybe guitar. He played guitar in that band. Yeah. And he plays drums too. Yep. What was the name of his band? That he, he was. He was. He was in the. Seattle punk scene early and often. Right. I was much more of a late bloomer. I was into new British new wave of heavy metal, but also into Motorhead, and then that led me to like 
because so many kids, so many of the punk kids like Motorhead too. Oh, right. So it was like, okay, right, right, right. I'm gonna go explore that I'm a little check bit. Check out the punk yeah. thing. Iron Maiden. Sure, yeah, early. Killers. Yes. Rock Child. Yes. Um, uh, all that stuff. Yeah. To me, that was like brand new music that was yeah. like not was in America. Exciting. It was yeah, like not. It was, it was like yeah. Like King Diamond, any of those? Any? Sure, yeah. But that was later. I mean, <laughs> it was a little, yeah. a little later. It was, uh, it was Motorhead. Motorhead. That was kind of the one that yeah. really like made me go, okay, this is this is heavier than. I saw Motorhead on their last tour in England, in like Manchester. And we stood on the side of the stage by the monitor guy. You know, the monitor guy would like turn on the monitors every once in a while, check people's sounds, whatever. He turned on Lemmy's mix. Yeah. Most incredible thing yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. Sounded like a fucking orchestra yeah. of nine basses and guitars, loud. Yeah. <laughs> like I've never heard anything like it. Yeah, it was incredible. And he was just, I, I don't. Like we came back to see him, Flea and I, and he's in a cramped place and he's got a slot machine and like two girls with him and he's like yeah. really pasty. Yeah. I'm just like wow. And get his drink and I'm just like man, you are like. Yeah. Never gonna change. Never gonna change. <laughs> and he fucking rocked it yeah. though. It was great. Incredible. Yeah, motorhead is Motorhead, that's it. Gotta know gotta know the motorhead. Um what what he just brought it up, so and then we went did you go from there to like you obviously you were already playing. Guitar? Yeah. At what time? When are you talking about? That's what I wanna know. <laughs> When? What time? <laughs> Wait. Uh, when did I start playing guitar? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I didn't play, start playing guitar, guitar until I was 16 years old. So wow. I, I was in high school watching a bunch of kids learn how to play guitar over the course of the year. And I was like, wow, I would have thought. Yeah. No, I didn't. I picked it up because I, I wanted to be in a band. I was like, okay. Girls. Girls, but also I mean, punk rock at that time in Seattle was like the. I'd never heard anyone say you got to be crappy and you right. can get in a band. Right, it's awesome. It's okay. It's okay yeah. to be crappy. Just learn two things, dude. It's fucking. You're in. It's gonna that's be awesome. That's so one of the greatest things about punk rock. That's Steve it? Turner from Mudhoney was yeah. like. I went to high school with him and he was like. We'll call it Iron Maiden shit. You need like two chords and <laughs> that's just like it. back and forth. And I was you're like, in. Great. <laughs> And that, and did, he, that, and, did he show you your first? Uh, and I was I was good at remembering, like what I played. So if I figured something out, I could play it again. So there you, go. you know, there you go. That's that, that's worked. That's worked out for you. Yeah, it really has. Like <laughs> <so> consistency. <laughs> Even if it's too I show up on time. <laughs> I do these two things. They're both wrong, but yeah. I repeated it. Yeah. So it's a part. Yeah. After a while, people no, get used to it. Figure it out. But. So, it, that, so that was it. So what? what and, and so you played. I was in the Green River, which was with Steve. That Turner was your and, first band. Yeah, with Mud Honey, basically right, the right, guys right. from Mud Honey. Wow. Um, and Jeff, and so Jeff and I started playing in eighty. When you were in high 87. school. Eighty-seven. I, I, I was. No, he, he was out of high school. He, he had moved him. to Seattle to be in punk rock bands, and well, and I had met those guys just kind of going out and seeing shows and stuff. So. Right. I'd literally been playing six months, you know, so and cool. had an amp and was like, okay. And then, you know, just terrified for the first two years of just, like, getting up there and just, you know, panicking. But just definitely doing my hair and getting completely... I looked fantastic. Did you have a good look? <laughs> I had a... I looked great. Yeah, a lot of scars. I really wanted to be Johnny Thunders at that right, point. Right, right. A lot of people wanted to be Johnny yeah. Thunders, yeah. Wow. You know, solos would just go... You know, <laughs> Was that his like, day? Johnny Thunders, he had a lot of slides. When in doubt, slide. And the pick, the, the, no, no, it's more scraping. like yeah, no. It's more like a Townsend thing. Yeah, no. He wasn't a pick scraper. <laughs> <laughs> what? Now I know. You know I don't get too down on technical musician stuff, but I, you're a Les Paulsman, and have you always been? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've kind of gone through phases. I mean, there's certain songs where. Strats are great. I mean, it's Strats and kind of Les Pauls in general. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, but once you start playing, if you start playing a Strat, then you almost have to change your amp sound, and then it's hard to go back and forth between right. Les Pauls and Strats. It's just like kind of one of those things. But yeah. So I'm, I'm almost fully back to Les Pauls at this point. Just, it. It's kind of big, beefy. Yeah. But they're, they're harder. 
little, you got to kind of work a less putt, no? I mean, yeah, maybe. I think strats, you got to actually know how to play better a little bit, <laughs> which is weird. So if you're a hack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, just you want to hit it, just you know, a clean chord. You just yeah, make a lot of bottom end. Yeah. So. Yeah, I still go. I still love them. Yeah, I still have. You gave me a PV, like, you don't remember yeah. that? You gave me a PV, like it looks like a. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a tweed kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think when we would jam yeah. backstage, like remember we would have those little warm up jams, yeah. and anybody would show up, yeah. and yeah. I took that home with me. I don't know if you gave it to me, I took it home. <laughs> you I still, still have, have it. it. Yeah. And like, it's in my little room in yeah. my house, and people are like, oh man, that's... and it sounds great. Uh, does it? It sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> PV coming through. PV. <laughs> I had a PV, uh, the PV gave me some amps at some point. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why you got one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the benefactor. Thank you. <clears throat> it's like the same thing. I get some drums and like, I'm not using that anymore. Oh, well, here you go. You can, you can have those. Do you have a deal with anyone right now? Um, I'm a. I've been with the Pearl Drum Company yeah. for forever. Yeah. Pearl and Saving. Yeah. And same. St um, yeah. I don't. I don't switch. Around. Are they doing anything new these days that makes you go, "This is great. This is something I've been waiting for." Um. That's a good question. You know, um, my last kit, I, I think that you saw was it, but that for live is acrylic. Yeah. And I've never played an acrylic, yeah. you know, the John Bonham, yep. you know, famous. Um, and they're really loud and bright. And so for live, they, they actually, yeah. they really, but they have enough warmth. I thought it was going to be kind of, yeah. you know, all attacky. Yeah. And I was surprised yeah. at, at, at the tone and they sound really good. So I've been using them. I really like them. But you take the heads off the toms, the back of the toms. Because <laughs> that's old school, right? Isn't that's, that? That's old school. <laughs> Put a bunch of tape all over them. Yeah. No. I, yeah, no, you want them to ring. I got a little bit of ring yeah. on. Yeah, but they're good. So, but to reinvent the drum, I mean, you know. It hasn't happened yet. No, and I'm not really into the electronic thing. Um, a lot of guys trigger and yeah. all that stuff, but, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're an old rock band. Yeah. Um, I haven't really recorded with them. I don't, I don't know, you know, I think, I think uh, you can't beat the wood... You know, some old maple wood drum yeah. from the 50s or something, you know, you can't, can't. You know, I just about old instruments, wooden instruments with a piano or a violin yeah. or a guitar or yeah. a drum, for whatever reason, the glue, the wood yeah. thing, it's hard, you can't really replicate that, I don't think, I don't yeah. know, anybody's done it yet. So no, I'm, I'm, that, I think all the companies are making their high-end stuff is yeah. good, and it's just what you like, yeah, so, are you, you know. But do you use old guitars? Or do you, are they uh, old? Some actually, the, the, my the guitar I'm using mostly right now is a reissue Gibson, which yeah. I, I and I bought a couple of them, Les yeah. Paul reissues from six, a sixty reissue and a fifty nine reissue, and they're both great. Right. I mean, they those uh, are like that's like the the year supposedly. Right? Yeah, and it's and the, and Gibson I think is doing certain versions of these reissues really meticulously. Right. I mean, I think they really there's enough history now that they really are going back and figuring out how to kind of make them close. And then I can take them out and beat them up a little bit. Drop them <laughs> or it's like I don't need to like worry about them cuz you know, there's so many guitars like you can't even, you know. I don't personally own any super crazy vintage guitars, but there's a few around that you know, Mike can't take out a couple of guitars, you know, because it's just it's something can happen. Yeah, it's Stone, like stolen whatever. Play, yeah, it's 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 too it. it's just too crazy. Yeah. So, um, and and I don't need it. You know, it's like it's good for me to kind of be not worrying about what's going on with my guitar. It's like one less thing to have yeah. to worry about. And I'm sure you, you know, I'm sure you're the same way. It's like if it's you had some really yeah. super classic vintage kit out, you just want a kit that sounds halfway decent. You can just like make it, something happen. <laughs> Environmental stuff that I know that you that you're really into, right? Right, you guys each kind of have your thing, but your tell me a little bit about yours. Can I? Sure. Can I ask? Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, maybe it's not. You tell me. You know, environmental stuff is is weird. I think that there's uh, there's certain times where you really uh, you get a, a a strong impulse to try something different. You want to do it, um, and uh, and, and you go for it at different times. And I think the the one that's been consistent with us is just, for me, I've kind of, you know, looked at, our, you know, basically our carbon footprint is like kind of one of the things that we could begin to 
acknowledge, at least acknowledge and, <laughs> and sort of address. Right. Because it's, you know, to trucks, planes, cars, everybody going to and kind fro. Kind of a no-brainer, it's, right? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one that if, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely a no-brainer. It's definitely like, okay, this is, this is definitely something we're having an impact on. So probably the last 10 years or so, we've just, uh, we've just basically accounted for what our carbon is. And, um, and that's usually, uh, well, not usually, but it's cars uh, going to and from the shows, kind of some kind of average of 20 miles per car, two people in each car, sort of, you know, um, some, some general averages, uh, how much fuel the plane burns, how much fuel the buses burn, how many trucks do we have out, how many hotels are we staying in, you know, um, pretty, uh, a, a pretty um, detailed um, analysis of, of our carbon. And then based on those first two or three times doing a detailed analysis, more of a general analysis of like, we know we're going to be out for three weeks, we're basically the same number of yeah, trucks, yeah, we're basically yeah. the same number of flights. And then, um, you know, just basically accounting for what our carbon is. And, and at this point, it's usually around you know, 2,200 tons of carbon every time we go out on for a, for a three-month, you know, jaunt, you know, two or uh, three, three-week legs or whatever like right, that. Right. So that's considerable amount of carbon. It's kind of hard to imagine what that would look like. Um, and so we've just looked for different ways where we were going to both acknowledge that and then, you know, uh, mitigate it if, if we can. And um, we've done a, a ton of different things, um, um, everything from buying green power um, to uh, planting trees. And, um, and I, I think the latest one we've done is, um, is uh, in Seattle, we've gotten uh, actually another, uh, a bunch of organizations, the Seattle Mariners and uh, the Seahawks and uh, Nordstrom's and uh, the Seattle Zoo and a bunch of other big organizations into Seattle to join us and, and to begin to start the same process with their organizations. Great. Um, and basically those companies are looking at their, their carbon. Um, and at this point, none of them are doing it as extensively as we are. I mean, we've been doing it for a while. But, um, and um, giving money to an organization in Seattle called Forterra. And Forterra is using that money to um, replant uh, green belts um, uh, all over the city. So basically planting big conifers all over the city. And over the course of their lifetime, those conifers will uh, absorb. I mean, Washington State is fantastic yeah, for yeah, yeah. Um, growing big trees, and a, and a big cedar will absorb a, a, a lot of carbon over the course of its lifetime. So um, it's not a perfect system, but it's, it's, it's beginning to try to get companies to uh, think about the impact they're having. Yeah. And, um, and um, you know, so it's, it's something that... I'm very excited about, but it's 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 been a long process. It's been doing it for eight years, and tr keep trying to fucking find different avenues to make it legitimate. And it's right. it's difficult. It's difficult to do. So why do you think that people would be would would not be like like you said at the beginning? It's like you got it doesn't anyone can see that obviously this is what's going on. Like you're saying, the fuel, the burning, and and cars and everything like that. That they couldn't, they wouldn't want to be like, yeah, I think that that's that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I want to be involved in that. Yeah. That's, that's you know that they don't care. They're apathetic, or they or they don't have the resources, or it's going to cost money to do that. Or I think it just takes time. It's like you know, in Seattle, fifteen years ago, there was no recycling. Now everyone recycles. Right. You know, there's every single house has a recycling bin, has a composting bin. It's like composting. It's like, you know, New York City is you know farther behind with that, but eventually. Yeah. Throwing food into the landfill, you know, excess food or uh, anything that's biodegradable is ridiculous. Right. I mean, that that's soil. Basically, you're throwing yeah. away nutrients that yeah. you could be, you know, creating topsoil. So there's there's a level of education and just critical mass that needs to be reached before people start dealing with it. And I think carbon will eventually be like somebody saying you got to take out your trash or you got to clean up your own backyard or it's it's going to come to be common sense for companies to say here's what our fuel costs are every year and we should whatever those fuel costs are we should be looking at storing as much fuel or storing as much carbon as we as we released into the atmosphere and, and that would be just like a normal you know state of yeah. affairs but like, like you have to do it voluntarily now because trying to create laws that do that or all of that is so fraught with political um 
there, there's such a, a polarity in terms of how people view climate change and 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 the environment that right. it's it's a it's a it's best just to do it on your own, and then hopefully it just it reaches on. a point where people are like, oh, that's just uh, yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. So, well, I hope so. Yeah. Makes sense. Education, people. Um, um, yeah, we did the same, you know, with our buses and the, you know, biodiesel and all, you know, just like, it has to start with you though, you know, because yeah. you know, be the whole thing. Well, oh yeah, you went to the, to the environmental conference and you flew in on your private jet, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. You're like, well, it and has it's to and it's start with you, and you gotta you gotta get your band to organize around an idea and then go with it. And it's, I mean, everyone. Just doing that, it takes some political. You know, you gotta, you gotta under, you understand yeah, the yeah. politics of how it works because certain people are ready to pay this much for that, or that seems like too much, or whatever. So you gotta find the sweet spot, and and that's what every business I think ultimately needs to figure out for themselves is what's the sweet spot. And I think that there'll be, you know, some of the early businesses that that really adopt this or adopt a similar strategy of, of acknowledging their carbon are going to benefit from being, you know, customers will go to them because right. they, they're doing, they, you know, they're doing something that their right. customers appreciate. But, right. uh, uh, so, you know, I'm, I, I, I kind of hope that, you know, uh, at some point it becomes trendy, you know, that, yeah. that the customers will start to, you know, respond to companies that, that do that. But yeah. and we'll see. Have you been diving lately? You know where I'm going. No. When's the last time you dove? I dove in the Bahamas. I went. I went with Nancy, yeah. my wife. We went, um, and that was the last time. That was last year, Easter time or yeah. something. How was Beautiful. it? Beautiful. Yeah. Great. Um, Stone and I. You were certified. I was certified. This was 1996 yeah. something yeah. five. Our little group was, uh, we were in Australia, and we decided, let's go, let's go scuba down, let's go on a trip. So we went to Bali. He met me in Australia, he went to my drum clinic in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> What's this? And, and then... Um, I loved it. <laughs> I did. You were, you were so warm, and, and you uh, very, everyone was excited to see you, and you were like, it was very casual. Uh, very casual. Yeah. Not all plays out like this. <laughs> Very casual. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we went from there, we went to Bali, and we took Dave Ratt with us, yep. our mutual friend, and, and Smitty, who's he's been your guy forever now. Yeah. Love him. So we went to Bali, and yeah, I think myself and Smitty were certified, right? Uh, Schmitty wasn't certified. He and wasn't? He, uh, he Schmitty, wasn't. Dave, and I all got certified while we were there. I was the only certifiable yeah. one? And I don't and even know if you were certainly. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't. I had a card. Yeah. I had a card. I had a card. I think it was like my brother. Yeah. So, yeah. I was like. Yeah. Illegally diving, but in Bali things are a little loose. Yeah. But on that, I got to do reef diving, yeah. deep dive. So I did get, and I still have the picture of me, like, from this guy that was our guy. His name was Andy. And he picks us up, and he's going to take us around. We're going to do this diving trip and go to a couple of different places around Bali and travel with him. And um, I don't know. How do we get hooked up with him? Do you know? I don't know. Somehow. Promoter, maybe. Maybe. So this is a guy. So we meet with him. And so these guys, to get certified, he had to do some, some work in the pool, and, and he's got to kind of teach them, and there's, there's a whole thing. One day in the pool and one day with a book. I mean, it was like it was one like, day. It was on the fast track because yeah. we were like, we want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get it going. So, but the, but the thing about Andy was that Andy, you know, you put your wetsuits on, and Andy Andy wore a bathing suit that that you wear underneath your wetsuit, and and you don't want to have a lot of clothing under the wetsuit. So Andy had this bathing suit that was basically a thong, pretty much a thong, right? Yeah. And we were kind Speedo. of like. Minus. It was, a, it, was a, it was a speedo minus the back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we were kind of, you know, I guess us Americans, you know, wow, okay, that's a bold, bold style. Thing. We were big shorting at that point. Yeah, we were totally like long shorts. 
And so I remember one day in particular, I think you and Dave were, I think you were in the pool, and Smitty and I decided to go out and get these bathing suits. And we, we dubbed them the Andy Cut. So they no, come to be hell, right? So we went out, and we got the ugliest, most colorful <laughs> bathing suit thongs in all of Bali. And we came back very excited to show our friends after our shopping spree. Did I wear one at one point? <laughs> of course you did. I can't believe we it. We all did. And there are pictures of us, men... Hanging out in Bali, yeah. arms around each other, we're on vacation, scuba day, so. in our thongs. They're somewhere. Nobody knows, though, where they are. I know that, that Smitty has them, but oh. but I, want, I wanted to see the pictures. Yeah. And Smitty has them now? He, he has them somewhere. Yeah. Great. And then we need to show them to me? Can we because insert, I think can we insert that into the interview? So yeah, that, maybe we, this is where we cut to yeah. the Andy Cut picture, except what you're going to notice is Smitty... And his Andy cut is not in the picture. Yeah. He's taking the photo. No, no, no. He took himself out. Yeah. He, he's in the blackmail file. But it's a good look and highly recommended when mm. you go to Bali. But we had a great time. That was a really... Dave, Dave still talking about... T- did I tell you that Andy uh, borrowed 10 grand from me and never paid <laughs> me back to... <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up. <laughs> did you have a business venture that didn't really work out with Andy? <laughs> Wasn't a bad thing. <laughs> we had such a great time. He was so great. He showed us around. Dude, so fun. Guy killed me in tennis in that one tennis thing. I got smoked by that guy in tennis. Um Yeah, but you entered into a business. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. That didn't it was work. fine. Fine. All spare and love and war. Oh man. Dave Rat still brings up the time when the side of the road, the, the cra- those crazy monkeys that would come up on the side of the road. And yeah. I that I, he said that I just came up and like pulled my pants down and yelled at them and like scared the monkeys or something. He still and did. Balinese drivers. And the Balinese chicken. They would play chicken. Yeah. It was crazy. It was fun though. That was good. Yeah. Have you dove? Have you done? It's been uh, at least five years, what? maybe more for me. Yeah. It's too long. Yeah. Oh, I get. We were, in, we were in South Africa not too long ago, and Dave really wanted to go, but it was like three hours. He wanted to go shark diving, yeah. of course. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I love it. Yeah, let's do it. Is it, it 15, 20 minutes away? <laughs> no. He was like, it's three hours. I'm like, right on the coast. Come on. And he was like, hey, 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 I don't know where. First, we're going to bungee off the highest possible bungee bridge, you know, day. Yeah. And then we're going to go and do the, do the dive. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Sounds like a very yeah. action-packed yeah. day. Oh, 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 Chad, the guy, you know, it's three hours away. Yeah. Do you have a studio? Uh, no. I have, a, I have my drums and a piano, which I don't play. But you, you, you have your drums in your apartment? Yeah. Can you play them? <laughs> You're not supposed to. You got to get a... You gotta Shut get, up! You got to get a studio. I know. I, I, I mean, just to, I, just to just to be able to like jam. Yeah, because it's not. Yeah, you're right. It's cutting it, and yeah, and now I'm like half the drummer that I was once, and that wasn't much to begin with. But that's that's all that is going to take is like literally like a week of you going back on the drums again. You're going to figure out things you never did before because you actually stopped for a second. Maybe you're right. Yeah. You you know what? Because that's a probably a good. What thing. are you gonna what? If there was one thing that you were going to work on next, I mean, what is if if you think you about can't your, ask me these questions? If you think about your drumming, what, look, what is your? I've you have strengths. It all. You have strengths. I've got nothing more to do. I've quit. Do you? Is there any? What would you work on if you're like tired? What would I work on <laughs> if you were like keeping a fucking beat? No, 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 no. I mean, like, no. Okay, I, I think I. What I would it be? You know, I would work on. Good question. I would work on what um, hand, what foot, like sixteenth well, notes, thirty-second notes. What? It, what would it? Like? See, he's a drummer. He, yeah. know, he knows his yeah. stuff. Listen to this guy. I would work on. I would. You know what? I would work on stuff that obviously I'm not good at, and that would be. I first of all, I would work on my reggae, right? Which I got. Yeah. Right. Because it's just so counterintuitive. 
landing I'm on the terrible landing on the three is with even, both snare and a kick. It's just weird, right? Where's this? I can yeah. do, but yeah. yeah. I can't do it. I'm terrible. I would and and I would um, and it really and and independence and, yeah. and independence is yeah. the most important. Like you were saying, yeah. this foot can do. That. And I'm not trying to play like yeah, yeah. Billy Cobb. I'm just like independently being able to and be comfortable yeah. and make a groove. I can pretend, yeah. but move um, it around and move it around yeah. and be able to do that and, and just playing just being consistent. I, you know, I mean, you guys have had. A few drummers, but it's like, and you can tell when people are like, and for drumming, I think in rock band, just being consistent for me, it's like consistency, play with dynamics, be a good listener first and foremost for any musician. Yeah. But like, but I want to be, um, I want to be powerful and, and dynamic, and I want the other guys to feel really confident when we're yeah. playing, and and like they can go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna be there, but also yeah. like I'm gonna like spar with you yeah. a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's not like anybody can keep too full. Yeah. I don't need to hold their hands, yeah. you know what I mean? But to be able to be real musical, yeah. and I think that independence would help me be yeah. more musical, where it's not like, oh gee, I really want this to do this, and I'm thinking about it. As soon as I'm thinking about yeah. it, I'm like, yeah. gone. Yeah. I'm gonna be like, to be able to kind of flow yeah. more. I need a teacher. Because I can't play along with records anymore. I mean, yeah. I can, but I don't think that that would be the thing to do. I think I, I think I might. Do you ever maybe make, this is a place to do, do it ever, in New York. Do you ever make loops? Yeah. Yeah, just play along to loops. And play along to yeah. loops. Yeah, that's fun too. Yeah. I mean, you can because you can make you can, loops can, in different do, time do different signatures shit. or different. You can kind of just get used down. to like accenting something, or playing around. And this is like, this is something I've I've always thought about, and I think we even had a conversation about it a long time ago. But just. The idea of, of writing songs where you take a static bass line and it's like the changes come from the drums. Like you just have a bass line that just, it continues. And, and a lot of dance music is like that in a, in a sense. But it's, but you know, between the, either the drums swinging it differently in the B section or a double time or, yeah. or emphasizing a different part of whatever that bass line is that you can really, you can write. Those, those are the changes. Yeah, and, and the vocals changing over right. the top of it. It's like, you know, and that's a, that's a classic disco thing. It's like, really, the key doesn't change right. in the whole thing, or it's maybe it groove, changes groove once. in the melody. But yeah, it's like all of a sudden the singer lays it over the beat on the opposite side of where he was laying it over to start out with, and all of a sudden that feels great to release that and, and come back to it. But that might be a fun, you know, take, kind of thing. It's just like, just create a, you know, a library of loops and just yeah. being able to go in and just do every possible kind of Combo. swing it, double time, <laughs> half time, quarter time, you know, reggae, you know, all over the same, you know, baseline and just see what that, where that okay. sort of takes you. That's it. That's the next. Have you ever played with a super reggae bass player before? I mean, where somebody who really could like, you know. I played with the guy from Steel Pulse who, who was like probably just laughing at me, yeah. you know. But it was, or loving it because he got to play in some weird, <laughs> in, with some groove that's so not not, it's like, not the normal yeah. thing, right? Maybe I don't know. I mean, you know, he was very um, nice about it, and and it was just a jam of me, him, Vernon Reed, and somebody else, and and the bass player. Actually, the guy in my little group, is here in New York, um, got sick, and being between sets in the second set, and he's like, and he was the keyboard player for Steel Pulse. He goes, I play a little bit the bass yeah. too, man, you know. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. great, we're gonna be doing like blues changes, yeah. right? Shredder. He fucking yeah. killed it. I was yeah. like, oh my God. It was incredible. It was incredible. Yeah. So that, you know, but it wasn't like, I mean, because I'm just like, I, I just, I'm embarrassed. Like, I don't wanna like embarrass myself. I mean, I, I play. The confines of my own little room somewhere, fine. But like, go out in public and play, try to play, you know, something that's. Well, I I doubt that he. I bet those guys were excited because it wasn't feeling the same. You know, I mean, they they probably are like sick of guys that only play on the three, and they're like, okay, this is the same old thing. You know, it's like. But I mean, you maybe, hear it, maybe, you hear maybe. it in hip hop all the time, where it's like, you know, they, there's tons of reggae influence in what's going on in hip hop, but then the backbeat is still right. fully there. So yeah. it's like, it's so much can be implied by just one instrument yeah. that having a two and a four is almost never a bad thing. I just did this thing with Bill Laswell, and he recorded all these Moroccan 
it, it was a band, and um, they've only, they had something that keeps sense, this trance music, and it's like really heavy. It was fantastic. And, and they never had a drum set. Yeah. On, on, they had things that keep time, yeah. but they never had they never had a drum set. Yeah. He says, "You want to put play drums on this?" I'm like, "Great!" And it's like a ten minute kind of yeah. trancey, really cool, heavy. I can't think of the name. Pre recorded. You, they, you were just going to come in and play over the yeah, top of it. I yeah, I played on top of it a couple weeks ago, and um, I'm bas- basically kind of playing this like back the two four kind yeah. of backbeat with yeah. little funk accents and accented thing, and I was like. They're gonna think this yeah. is like, what is this? Yeah. And he said they loved it. Yeah. He said this is like, you know, this is great. Was it? Did they do it to a click or was it? Too, no. Yeah. I so there was just they had a they had a good pulse and yeah, you just could yeah, play along. Yeah. Really, yeah. It was, yeah. We kind of moved around a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, and uh, it was so fun, but it was so different, and not what I'm used to, and uh, it was really challenging. I mean, that 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 to me is like a fun way to grow and change and do other stuff. Yeah. And I just want to do that. I mean, in, in any, any way that I can. And, in, and all this stuff that you do do and I do and play with other people and you guys in your band they play with other people. And then when you come back, it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. A couple new tricks up my sleeve. <laughs> Check this out. Yeah. What's that? Don't ever do that That's again. That. <laughs> what? <laughs> the look. That's not right. It's not... Good. <laughs> um, so wait. So you. So for, for this, for this lightning bolt. No. You're not doing any. You're. You're not doing any press. But wait. You got the World Series. You're gonna, your music's gonna be featured on the World Series. Yeah, that's crazy. That's great. That's probably made that. I, I love that. That's gotta be one of the biggest things that, that's happening in terms of just it. like. There's yeah. just new avenues for your music, to, yeah. you know, radio and stuff. Well, the like, fact that Major League Baseball would do that. Oh, or, great. You know, it's like... It's awesome. Yeah. Um, hopefully my Tigers will be in the world soon. Man. And, crazy. Uh, um, and, and you, you, but you, you're doing, like, um, like, Good Morning America? Is that right? I think Mike McCready's doing Good Morning America. <laughs> <laughs> Is Mike McCready... What are you gonna do? Good, God, goodness, he's the only one who's gonna get up at five thirty. He, first of all, that's exactly the same like thing I said. Never America do Good Morning America guy. because you got to wake up before four o'clock in the you morning. You do it's dark. He's doing something at two this afternoon. It's like, wait a minute, pre-taped. I was like, well, how does that work? Oh, okay. really? <laughs> they can do stuff later. Oh, so. he's not first thing in the morning, really. Mm-hmm. Pre-taped, Mike. Cheating. Um, we're doing uh, we're doing him. some traditional press. I mean, I've done a, you know some interviews for sure, but the the idea going into it was you know that we would we were going to find people that we were interested in that we knew either liked the music or were at least interested in it, and and sort of do interview situations that were similar to this, where we would just sit down and and you know like casually. That. Have yeah. a conversation and then Not like pumping my latest thing and blah 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 blah. Well, and and it's made us excited about it, so we were more likely to do it. And yeah. then it's 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 nice to not have traditional. I mean, someone whose gig it is just to interview people, they can be great. And then there's certain times where they've been doing it for so long, it's just like they don't have any new. Nothing new for them, you know. It's like they're bored with their gig or or something like that. So it's not a conversation. They got the question. And, and yeah. it's happened a million times. They just they they got their thing, and they're not really interested in yeah. having a conversation. It just doesn't go anywhere. So I, I highly recommend it. Worked out. It's worked yeah. out so far for us. Um, we 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 spoke with uh, Judd Apatow, and Kerry Brownstein, a guy named Steve Gleason, who's a uh, ex New Orleans uh, Saints football player, mm-hmm. who now has uh, ALS and um, oh, wow. is in a pretty pretty difficult situation right now with his health but he's still super passionate about music and um really lovely human being and um and uh mark richards the australian world champion surfer Surfer. from a few years back so we just kind of like we just kind of across the board just found people that we that we really loved and that and that uh were into the music and it and it and it worked out great and i i highly recommend it because um one, it's more fun. Yeah. And it two, it's kind of cool because, you know, Judd Apatow, the footage of us having a conversation with Judd Apatow, it's not only Pearl Jam fans that are kind of interested in it. Judd Apatow fans right. are like, so it's sort of like, it, 
Yeah. It kind of creates its own little world, and um, it's just it's more fun to do stuff yeah. on your own. It beats the sitting in the hotel room yeah. with a conveyor belt of. Oh, yeah. last record. <laughs> it wasn't so good. Why? <laughs> Why was your last record so sucky compared to the I one from like. 1980? <laughs> Why don't you do verses again? I really like Animal. We got. Why don't you do Bud Sugar more like that? Did that one 25 years same. ago. Dude. We all get the same experience. We're probably the same yeah. guys. <laughs> I talked to Pearl Jam last week. They don't make record either. <clears throat> um... Well, I'm I'm flattered and, and honored that you would take your time. Well, that was a pleasure. To me about it. Um, yeah, I'm excited you're coming tonight. I know. I can't wait. My wife's coming. My my little boy's coming. Eddie, Great. Is Ed Ed have his is. Uh, He's got kids here. Eddie? Okay, good. Mike's got kids here. Awesome. You guys are. Matt's very got kids. kids here. Ray Cameron. He's, I mean, he's a grown man. He's <laughs> like he's fourteen. Yeah. So playing guitar, playing jazz band. Is he really? Yeah. Fantastic. Five thirty. He's got Matt Cameron has to get up at five fifteen to get Ray to jazz. That's a class at six. Oh, before 50, school. Yeah. Can you imagine? Ouch. Is, jazz, is that a good time for jazz? No. <laughs> you don't see any unless jazz. you've been up all unless night. Unless you've been up. <laughs> unless you've been up all night. That's the only way you're hitting it that time. Really? I got to talk to him about that. No, jazz band's supposed to be after school. Yeah. But he's probably got like soccer practice yeah. or something. That's early. But, you know, kids, they don't care what you've yeah. been doing the night before they're up, 6.30. I don't Get know. Up. At 14, I don't think Ray's excited about getting up. <laughs> no, you're right. At 14, he's probably... Um, well, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, be great. Pleasure to see you, Having my friend. fun? Yeah. More Good. fun than ever. Great. Yeah. You look great. I mean, I plan better, and it's just more relaxed. That's the I'm key. I'm not so stressed out. Yeah. You just relax. Things are fun. <laughs> just keep relaxing. <laughs> All right, we'll see you later.